0: I feel like traveling oh I feel like traveling oh my heavenly home is bright and fair and I feel like traveling home, praise the Lord, I thought for a minute I had in a way of escape, I thought maybe I could just slip out the back door. Brother Ed was just fired all up and preaching, and I thought that would have been just fine. Your family's nodding at me that that would have been a good idea. Just let him preach. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? It certainly is. Brother Mark, good to see you back there. I'll just bring you greetings from home. God bless you. Good to see all of you this evening, and uh, not to keep you standing, but why don't we just open our Bibles and... Um, Thank you again for being patient with me this morning. It certainly was a blessing to be here. And, and so I'm so glad that Ray turned 50. Oh, he's not here this evening. So, anyhow, uh, you know, I, you maybe don't all know Brother Ray like I knew Brother Ray. And um, I am, I just, I'm so thrilled when I look and see what God has done see his son-in-law standing up there his children every one of them serving the Lord you know what he was one of those ones that was running as hard as he could the other direction until he reached down his hand and said no that's far enough and I look at what God has done in his life and I every time I see him my heart is thrilled and I think Lord you're still so full of tender mercy and uh, I know he's watching tonight, so I just want to say, Brother Ray, wherever your cameras are at, God bless you. Uh, I love you. I know the saints appreciate you, and we're looking forward to spending eternity together. When we get on the other side, I'll try and sing harmony for him. He's, uh, he's one of my favorites, and anyhow, why don't we open our Bibles and keep you standing all night? Do you think we were in Africa? <laughs> Brother Max. <clears throat> Luke chapter 9, just one verse there. Luke chapter 9 and, and in verse 51. You pray for me tonight. I, uh, Brother Ed said I could do whatever it took just to relax, and I think I'd just go and sit down in his pew. It would be just really relaxing, and you all heard him say it, so aren't you glad that we have the Word of God? It is life, and if he'll just pick it up, it'll be more than life to us. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. And I just want us to consider uh, the situation right now because he already knew what his commission was on earth, and he knew that his time was about done. But it says that he should that when the time was come that he should be received up he steadfastly set his face. You catch that? He was God. He could have made all the pain that laid before him stop now. But the Bible said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain, the shame of the cross. When the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And if I could have one little thought tonight, I'd be steadfastly set your face. In other words, don't take your eyes off the prize. Let's bow our heads, Heavenly Father. Lord, we come to you tonight, Lord, realizing, Lord, our inadequacy, Lord, realizing a frailty of our humanity, but knowing, Father, that within us there's a spirit that is so great and so precious, that, Lord, that you chose, Lord, to take the humanity, the the dwelling place of flesh to express yourself, and tonight we're so needy, Lord, of you, Father, Lord, we're so needy for you to come to speak to our hearts. Lord, you're so needy for you to wash us by the word again. And Father, to go away, Lord, just more in love than we've ever been, Lord. More, more steadfastly have our faces set, Lord, towards the end than they've ever been. Lord, may we not be con- uh, consumed or concerned with the times and the seasons that we're in. But Lord, may we with joy, with the joy that's set before us, Lord, may we look to the end. Father, I give you myself tonight, Lord, as a vessel. Lord, I pray you would just use me. You know the hearts of the children, Lord. You know the needs that are represented here. Just direct me, I pray, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You may have your seats. And uh, I don't know if I brought greetings from home this morning. I kind of get you know, if I don't write things down, I get all nervous, and then i uh, I forget to bring greetings, but greetings from brother Menno and and the saints that are in in Saskatchewan, and uh, we always feel like this that if you just give us the opportunity, you know, somehow I don't quite understand how it works. but there's this great attraction to uh, British Columbia and the great mountain peaks and 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 the beautiful water and then. They tell us that, well, you know, Alberta is where it's at and, and all, all I see is people when I come to Alberta. And, and if people are where it's at, then I've arrived. But you know, we have this little place that most of the people say that they're from. And it's called Saskatchewan. God placed it kind of almost right in the middle of this beautiful country we live. Not quite, but... You wouldn't believe how absolutely stunningly beautiful and how wonderful and warm the saints of God are there. I'm, I'm, I'm making an invitation. Once again, how many years have I been coming here, Brother Ed? 15, 20, something like that. And some of you have actually came once. No, I'm not. Be- I'm just saying one of these days, I'm looking forward to the day that these borders don't separate us anymore. And there's not going to be, I, I, I got too much to do, and I've got so much going on, and our, you know, our lives just become a rat race. And yeah. one of these days, I'm just going to, you'll still find me over there. I don't know if it'll be called Saskatchewan, but if you go and listen, this is just, this is just a little, uh, I'm just dropping it in. If you go and listen to Future Home, you'll hear Brother Branham mention a bunch of names as he, you know, describes the dimensions of the home and I think you'll even find in there he actually mentions Saskatchewan. I don't know if he ever said anything about Alberta in that, but he did mention Saskatchewan. And uh and I, I'm not from Saskatchewan. I'm still I still live there. And so now I, I say that. I you know, God made us so much different and and uh just to watch, we're just Brother Ed and I were just talking and and fellowshipping a little bit before the service and you know we were talking about um Actually, about raised daughters, and about the little get together, and and uh, and and how beautiful they did, and and one of them was just saying, you know, um, when the girls have something like that to do, they just come alive, and, and and just like that's where they shine, and I thought, yeah, isn't that like each one of us? We, we we're all so different. God has created us so uniquely and and so differently, and. And we don't want to try to take each other's place. We want to rather lift each other, put, allow each other to, to, to use the gifts that God has put in them. And, and, I, and I looked tonight and I seen these young men and these young ladies uh, sitting at these instruments. And my heart rejoiced. I thought, God, that's the future. That's the future musicians. Those gifts that you have placed in them, those are the ones that you're going to use to bless this little bride. Amen. And I want to encourage you young men, you young sisters you that, are, that are playing tonight, give yourself completely. Uh, get, be like David. Get in the presence of God. You've got the gift. Now get in the presence of God and just let him wash you and, and, and so sweeten your life and so take it that when you begin to play, you, you realize that when, when David began to play his instruments, that the Spirit of God literally would come down in such a way that the evil spirits that were in a man called Saul, literally they would flee. It's a, It's a ministry. It's, it's, a, it's a ministry, as much of a ministry as preaching the Word is, and, and I want to encourage you, uh, not just you, but each one of you that take your post of duty, uh, do it as unto the Lord. Amen. Lay in His presence and just let God just take a hold of your fingers and take a hold of, just allow you to be what He's made you to be. Amen. I'll tell you what, you'll be a great blessing. Amen. Anyhow, wasn't where I was going tonight, but it sure felt good to say it. I do. I love, to, I I honestly do. I love to see little gifts rise up, and then to see them as they grow and they mature, and and to think what that. Now I'm just going to go back to Ray as your song leader. Now he him I knew as a young man. So, but to think he could always sing. He could always sing. It's in their family. But the things he used to sing. They're not edifying to a Christian. But then one day, God got a hold of his heart, and he uses that same voice to lead you into a worship so that the Spirit of God can have such preeminence that he can meet your every need. Lord, let us be like that. Help us to be like that. You know, I just read this little scripture tonight, and it came to pass. When the time was come that he should be received up, speaking of Jesus... That he set his face, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You know, we, 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 when we when we uh, uh, look at his life, there is no greater man that has ever walked the face of this earth. There is no being that was more perfect that has ever walked the face of this earth. There was no man that had a greater minute a mission than that man. Listen, he was brother Brown said he was all man. But he was all God. That's why he could come to Lazarus's tomb and stand there with Mary and Martha. And his heart broken. He could begin to weep because his friend had passed on. But the God that was in him could stand and look at the tomb. And he could push his shoulders back. And realize that the very one. He was the very one that created all things. He had the power. He could have stopped Lazarus's death. But he chose not to. He said, Lazarus sleep is no. Lazarus is dead, and, he, and I knew he was gonna die. Yeah. That's why I've waited for this moment. Now we will go and wake him. Yeah. He had the ability, he was God. Yeah. And he walked before that, that tomb that day, and he put his shoulders back, and he, and he got a hold of his emotions, and he got a hold of his, his five Listen, he was Lord over his five senses. Yeah. He was Lord over his own spirit. He was Lord over every part of his being. He was God. And the same God tonight, if he's God in you, is Lord over your five senses. He has preeminence over your eyes. He has preeminence over your mouth. He has preeminence over your ears. He chooses what you will listen to and what you won't listen to. When that little spirit inside you is checked, immediately something, you know something's wrong. What is that? When you've seen something you shouldn't have seen and you know that you shouldn't have beheld that, what is something in you that turns your heart and says, God, forgive me? He's still Lord. He's still walking in flesh. And the scripture says that Jesus steadfastly, I want us to get this picture, because he knew what was lying before him. He's not like you and I. You don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. You might, you know, you might have an idea what's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes we're just this way. We can make a mountain out of nothing. You know, you could have walked out of work on Friday and the boss could have dropped a little something in a conversation. And you have been tormented by that little thought all weekend. And you have no idea really what it meant. That's our humanity. We're caught that way, and we battle that way. Well, what did that brother really mean, and what was he trying to say? And and we battle with, and finally we got to go to the man and say, what did you mean when you said that? And we find out that it was nothing like we thought. But Jesus was not that way. Jesus already knew. He knew what laid before him. He knew the shame that was going to confront him. He knew the pain. He knew the struggle. He knew that they were going to reject him. He understood it all. And let me tell you something. If he was all man, don't tell me that same devil didn't come to him and give him every excuse to change the situation. That's why he went to the, to the garden that night and he had to pray through to find the will of God. Finally to say, God, not my will, but thine be done. You talk about love. You talk, oh, behold what manner of love. Not my will, but thine be done. And the Bible says this, he set his face. He was so determined that he wasn't going to let anything stop him. Oh God, give us that tonight. That we, our hearts are so set on Calvary, that our faces are so set towards the goal, that we recognize that there's a body change laying in front of us, and nothing, nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. That's thus saith the Lord. Now let us catch His vision. You know, Jesus could look at that very... He could look at the very hill that He created. I wonder if we just stopped and stepped over... Uh, into the realms of eternity when he began to create the earth and, and all that was, where, uh, that was therein. The Bible says he created the mountains and the valleys and, and he created the birds and everything. And I wonder if while he wasn't in the great program of creating and he took his little hands and began to push up that one little hill. You know, I think there was a song written that there was a teardrop that fell out of his eyes as he looked at that hill. He knew the very tree that he planted, the very tree that he created, he knew it, he would hang on it someday. He knew that you, that you and I, that men like us would nail him to a cross like that. Not like they show on on the movies, not like they show in the picture books where he's wearing a loincloth, but stripped naked for the whole world to see. You talk about Shame. He knew it. But the Bible said that there was something that was already in his heart. And he set his face steadfast. In other words, his family wasn't going to change him. The desire of his family and the pull. Listen, you don't tell me that they didn't pull on him. They didn't want him crucified. He was not just a friend. He was not just a brother. He was going to be their king. They didn't want to see him crucified. You tell me that that longing that he had to be a married man, that he wasn't pulled by that longing and that desire. But he overcame every one of them because he set his face steadfast. He knew the reason he was here. And if he hadn't done what he had done, we wouldn't be here tonight. You know, he could look at those things, and he could consider every one of them a lying vanity. Even though his flesh wanted to live, he looked to the Word and considered it a lying vanity. Even though he wanted to be married and he knew that if he did, there wouldn't be a little bride in this age. So he considered it a lying vanity. All of his humanity he considered a lying man. You think he didn't have a right to a nice home? Come on, church. You're talking about the very God of creation. The one that went to build you and I a city that's made of pure gold. The one whose who, who, who's very creative instinct, could, there's nothing man could make that would be more beautiful than what God could make. He literally walked out of the palaces of glory and stepped down into humanity for one purpose. To redeem you and I. That we could become he became man that we could become God. Hallelujah. He considered it all just lying vanities. Just the temptation. He considered the nice home he could have had when he didn't even have a home, the Bible said. The foxes have dens and the birds have have, to have nests, but, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Yeah. Now, which one of you can say, that's me, Brother Dwayne? Quite on the contrary. Most all of you have nice homes, lovely homes. You drove up in a nice vehicle. He didn't even have, to have, he didn't have a donkey. He had to borrow one. He walked. What manner of love is this? That someone so great could belittle themselves to become so little. I want us to turn over to Jonah chapter 2, brother. And I want to read one scripture there. Jonah Chapter two Verse eight says this They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. not somebody else's, but those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. So that's kind of a strange thought, isn't it? Those that forsake lying vanities or observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Doesn't the Scripture say this, that His mercies are new every day? Doesn't it say that? But this scripture says that if if we would consider something other than His mercies, lying vanities, that we actually forsake our own mercy. The mercy that God would have had for us today. That help that He would have had for us. That temptation that He would have delivered us from that day. But because we don't look to the word and we don't look to the promise, but we look to the problem... Now we're looking at lying vanities. You know, the word vanity means this. There's a couple things. You know, we, we, we look at it and, and we, we understand that, you know, sometimes you see somebody and they're just, uh, uh, you, you know, they're just all about what they look like and how they act. And, and they just want to be so perfect in everybody's eyes. And we say, man, that person is vain. True. True, I mean, they're so caught up with Hollywood or whatever it is. I mean, they're so full of themselves. they going, oh my goodness, that person is vain. But there's another meaning to this. And the word actually means something that is vain is empty or valueless. In other words, if it's vain, it has no value. Now, I want to take this in the context of that scripture. For they that observe lying vanities, in other words, things of no value, they that keep their eyes on these things that have absolutely no value forsake their own mercy. Okay, let's bring it to where we live. I'm going to try not to be long tonight. I was too long with you this morning, and and forgive me for that but let's bring it where we're at. We believe that we are the children of Abraham. We're the seed of Abraham. This is not what the scripture says. We are the seed of Abraham. And the Bible said that, that when Abraham was well stricken in age, that God came and gave him a promise God come to him and said, Abraham, listen, you are the word for your day, and I'm going to allow you to bring forth a child, a son. It's actually going to come from your very own loins. I'm going to give you a promise that you're going to bring forth a promised word for your day. And you know, Abraham said, praise God, I am so thankful. But the first thing before he did, he said, but Lord, how are you going to do this? Look at, the, look at our humanity. God comes and he gives Abraham a promise, and the very first thing Abraham says is, Lord, Lord, uh, look at me. How's this going to be? I'm a man that, that's past that age, and my wife is past the age. What is he doing? He's absolutely considering something that is a lying vanity. He's looking at something that has no value, but you and I would say, oh, he was way too old. He's 75 years old. He's past that age. Sarah's beyond that. But the Word of God told him he was going to have a son. Amen. Now, we got a choice tonight, church. we got a lot of promises that lay in front of us here this evening. We're almost to the place that we are going to have a body change, and that is one of our promises. But there's a lot of lying vanities around us that are gonna tell you that you ain't never gonna make it. That you ain't gonna be there, that you're not good enough, that God, you, you just can't attain to that. Yeah. Yeah. Abraham had the same problems. Come on, he had the same problems. You know, as they went on, we at first the promise was so real and so alive, and, and they were so thrilled with what God had told them, and they would tell everybody. And then one year went by, and two years went by, and 10 years went by, and 15 years went by, and finally Sarah said, hey, Abraham, you know what? I'm talking about right in our families. You know, even your own family, the words that are spoken can become a lying vanity to you. If it's contrary to the word of God, it's vain. It is useless. It's valueless. It has no meaning to you. Abraham, why don't you just take Sarah? Or why don't you just take Hagar? Pardon me. Take Hagar and and, and I'll adopt that. That'll be my baby and, and there'll be God's promise. No, that wasn't what God said. That wasn't what God said. God had made them a promise. But the pressure from his wife, Abraham took Hagar. And what did it cause? Trouble. Trouble. And let me say this when you consider the lying vanity, it'll only cause you problems. When you observe the lying vanity, it'll only cause you troubles. You will have trouble from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. But if you'll ever get your eyes on the promise of God, listen, there'll become a bounce in your step. There'll get joy in your heart. You'll hold on. You don't care what anybody's going to tell you. You're going to, the promise remains. That's my promise. Oh, we're so used to making it somebody else's promise, but why don't you make it your promise tonight? We all got promises, but you know what? The scripture was written, and, and when Abraham's, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, when his, I, I want to say, when God wrote the word about Abraham, he said, he staggered not. Yeah. But if you go and read his life, you'll find many places where he stumbled, and he fell, and he staggered, and he looked at the problem, and he looked at the situation, but God didn't see any of that. If we observe lying vanities, we will forsake our own mercies. We've got a promise that remains, church. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 says this, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, verse 17, before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. A lying vanity. A lying vanity. You know, when Mary Martha stood at the tomb there that day, there laid their brother, every one of their senses told them he was dead. Everything they seen, everything they observed, he was dead. And as far as they know, that was the end of it. There was no more. And if they would have observed their lying vanities, their brother would have stayed in the grave. But there was a voice that spoke. And then there was a a faith of God that raised up and said, even now, even now, she forsook the lying vanity for the word of God's sake. And they put his shoulders back and said, Lazarus, come forth. Yeah. And a man who had been dead four days stood up and walked out of the grave. What if she would have observed their lying vanities? Church, don't get stuck on the vanities, the lies of the world. If it's not the word of God, it's a lie. Amen. If it's not the word of God, there's no truth in it. How many times do we suffer? How many times do we struggle? How many battles do we lose because we observe lying vanities? How many times have we been sick and we look at our symptoms? Oh no, she's getting worse. And listen to me this morning, Brother Jerry, this evening. She's getting worse. And I don't know what we're gonna do about the high blood pressure. And it is nothing more than lying vanities. Yeah we have a word of God we have a promise if you say to the mountain be moved it's going to be moved hallelujah it's time that we got our eyes off our problem and put them on Christ the word we got a promise instead even God who quickeneth the dead calleth those things which be not as though they are I'll tell you what if that worked for God and I'm a seed of God then that's going to work for me I don't know what you're lacking in your life tonight. I don't know what's missing in your life tonight. But you know. And as long as you're observing lying vanities, as long as the devil can tell you that I've tried and I've tried and I've tried so many times and and it's never going to happen, he's got you whipped. He's got you whipped. But if you'll consider that a lying vanity and you'll look at the Word of God and say, I am more than an overcomer. I am the promise remains. I am a son of God. I am the seed gene of Abraham. Listen, I am more. I've come in this world to show the world that Jesus Christ lives. He will live. Hallelujah. Who against hope believed in hope that, we might become, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. What are you going to believe this evening? Oh, church, set your face steadfast on the word. Don't you look left and don't you look right. Oh, God, help us. Abraham had met with Melchizedek, brother. He knew that there was a kingdom somewhere. He had broke bread with him. He understood that there was more to this life. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Hallelujah. Why would the God of creation come to a nobody? Because Abraham wasn't nobody. Abraham was the seed of God. He was the very expression. He was there in his hour. Who are you tonight? And why did God come your way? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You talk about the love of God. He didn't have to come by your home. He didn't have to come by your way. It's amazing grace how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and Jesus came my way. Hallelujah. How long are we going to observe lying vanities? How long are we going to listen to the devil's lies? How long are we going to consider ourselves failures? How long are we going to consider the fact that we can't never do this on our own? Vanity, vain, useless, has no value. I was born to be a son of God. I was born to take a body change. I was born to conquer death and hell in the grave. You say, hold on, Brother Dwayne, Jesus already did that exactly. That makes me more than a conqueror. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder what Samson thought that day. You know what? Listen. We're here and we're enjoying the presence of God right now. And when we're in the presence of God, we can take on 10,000. We're not afraid. God gives us the boldness of lions. You know, before that, you stand and you tremble and you're fretting. And you're, but when the Spirit of God comes, something happens to you. Samson was that kind of a man. Just a curly-headed little shrimp. I wonder... What would have happened that day on the battlefield when he stood out there in the middle of, uh, of the desert and, and there he stood and here comes a thousand Philistines and they surround him. I wonder if he would have considered their armor if he wouldn't just say, I surrender. There's no chance for me. There's no hope for me. There's no way I'm going to win this battle. Listen. I don't care how great the odds are against you this evening. We have one that is greater than all the odds the devil can throw at us. we got a sure word of promise that we are more than overcomers. Though 10,000 rise on my left or 1,000 on my left and 10,000 on my right, surely I'll take them all. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwelleth in His people. Without Him we're nothing. I wondered what Samson would have done that night if he would have considered how long that bone had been laying there. If he would have just had to pick it up and and he just would have had to feel it and touch it and it would have started to crumble a little bit. If he would have considered the bone, he would have just dropped it on the ground and said, Guess what, guys, I surrender. It's not worth the fight. I'm not going to win. But there's some things that are worth fighting for. That's what made Jesus set his face. That's what made him look steadfastly at the cross, knowing that you and I were coming behind. Knowing that him as the firstborn son of God, if he didn't do this, where would the rest of the sons of God be? Samson got a hold of that bone and he recognized that God had given him a commission. He didn't look at the fact that he had, that he had failed God. That he'd been sleeping around, that he'd taken, listen, if he would have thought, oh my, I don't know, maybe somebody's online's watching, has been backslidden too, and he's married wrong, and you know what, Samson married wrong? Has Samson married wrong? Here he's being raised up as, hey, you know, and here his hair is growing out as a little boy, and, and, and maybe the boys around him are making fun of him. Hey, don't you look cute? Aren't you a pretty boy? He said, so No boy wants to be called a pretty boy, at least not one that's got any kind of a man spirit about him. Yeah. He don't want to be called pretty boy. Samson didn't want to be called a pretty boy. But he'd heard the promise that had been given to his mom. Yeah. Yeah. That God has brought him here for a purpose. And then he grows up to be a young man, uh, you know, like every young man, and like we spoke this morning. Somehow the attraction of the Philistine women. You think, God, why? God has a purpose in all things. Read your Bible. His own parents said, listen, Samson, aren't they Hebrew women much, You know, aren't they much more of women than what these girls are? Yeah, but I want them. The Bible said, and God allowed that to raise up an issue with the Philistines. Who can... I'll tell you what. I can, I can get a little feeling with his mom and dad because I got backslidden boys. I can understand just a little bit of their agony, a little bit of their pain, a little bit of their frustration, a little bit of their, oh God, why? But if we look at it, Amen. if we consider it and throw our hands in the air and say, it's all hopeless, you've forsaken your own mercies. Instead, we'll look to the Word of God that give us a promise that our children are inheritance and Satan can't take them. He might trip them up. He might lure them up. But God's got a chain on them. It's a circumstance that will bring them back. Hallelujah. I thank God for a living Word. I thank God for a Word that's powerful and it's effective. Don't you look at your children tonight. Don't you look at their situation tonight. I don't care where they're at. I don't care what their walk looks like. Don't you look at them. It's nothing more than lying vanities. Listen, you've got a song leader that stands here tonight. Brother Ray Adrian, he's got a a, a nephew. I'm going to just bring this in as a testimony right now. You might have heard, you might not have heard. He's got a testimony of his nephew who's backslidden years ago, walked away from the Lord. He was. We went to youth camps. He wanted what was right. And he just couldn't, he actually even wanted the right woman. He's told me this personally so I can say this. He wanted, he finally wanted to find a Christian woman. And somewhere in there Satan slipped in. And he observed the lying vanity. And he got captured by it. Listen, this is, I don't know how, he's got to be close to 40 years old. 15 years married probably. Married wrong. He's got five beautiful children. He's got a beautiful wife. She's a nice lady. Just not a believer. He looked, here he is, he's married wrong and his business succeeded. He's the kind of man that 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 was just blessed. Everything that you and I would want as men, he's got. Except he lacked one thing. Except he lacked one thing. And his parents watched him walk down that road. His parents were the ones that were on their knees at night crying out for their salvation of their son. Oh God, bring him back. They never let go. They held on day after day they watched his life get worse and worse and worse and worse never letting go. They looked at the promise of God. They had a lot of, they had a lot of nights where they cried themselves to sleep observing the vanity. But then something would rise up inside of them say God you gave him to us. Lord we brought him here we gave him back to you when he was a baby. And you promised us here this very year, we had a prayer meeting at church. Handful of us men, a couple of the brothers called it listen, don't you ever undervalue the power of prayer. Don't you ever, don't you ever let the devil con- tell you that prayer doesn't work, it works. We had a little prayer meeting, a dozen of us brothers sitting around the table and every one of them began to, I just told him. I said, brothers, I said, when we go to prayer, I said, I want each one of you to lay your prayer requests on the table. The Bible says we're two or three agree on any one thing. We set our face steadfast on the word of God. His little brother was sitting there who has been a Christian all along, got to him and he said, I got a brother that's been backslidden for years. And I want to see God get a hold of his life. I want to see him back in church. Two weeks. Two weeks, brothers. Two weeks. And a man that had everything became so miserable and so frustrated and so hungry for the things of God. He, he actually just put. He told me. He said, "Brother Dwayne, he says I, I'm willing. I love my family. He says I don't. I don't want to lose them, but I'm willing to lose everything. I just. I'm so hungry. I just want God. He says I can't get enough. I. He says I never. I never thought anything of His Word before. Now he says I can't. I can't go a day. I'm reading. I, I'm looking. I'm thrilled. My heart is is rejoicing. Amen. Not lying vanities, but a promise. Amen. A parent. Held on to a promise, a brother didn't consider the lying vanity. He looked at the word and said, that's my brother. I want to see him back in fellowship again. They that observed lying vanities forsake their own mercy. That young man, he'll text me once a week, every week, he'll text me, he'll send me quotes He'll be so thrilled. Oh, Brother Dwayne, I read this. Isn't this wonderful? This thing, just, this quote, just so incredible. Have you heard this message? From a boy that didn't want to hear anything about the message. Huh? Don't you tell me God's dead. Our God's not dead. Our God is very alive. The works that I do shall you do also and greater than these shall you do. Hallelujah. We're looking, to, we're looking to shake the world, but let me tell you, hell shakes when, the, when, when God's children get on their knees. Hell shakes when you walk out of the house. When you take God at his word, everything stops. Amen. Oh, God. I'm, I'm sure not getting along too well right now, but I'm enjoying where I'm at. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, let's have a look at Moses tonight just for a minute. I, I, you know, I just love some of these patriarchs of the Word. I believe that there's, they're, they're the Bible heroes of the Old Testament. But let me tell you something. You have heard of Paul, and you've heard of Silas. We used to sing the little song, you've heard of fearless David in the bull, or Moses in the bull rush. you heard of fearless David and, and of Daniel in the lion's den. And we love to speak about these things. But I want to tell you something. The scripture writes this way of whom the world was not worthy. And when when it was quoted in Hebrews chapter 11 you notice it was all quoted from the Old Testament. But there is a New Testament church. That's also rising up. There's heroes whose names are also written down. I'll tell you if you want to see who they are, why don't you just look to your left? Catch a glimpse of one of the heroes of the 21st century. Yeah, go ahead. Now look to your right. You're gonna see the overcomers of the age. Heroes. You talk about heroes, let me tell you something. They're not heroes, they're super heroes. We're not talking about the Marvel comics, we're not talking about those heroes. We're talking about superheroes. I was listening to the brothers. Some of the brothers chat about their cars and vanity, but anyhow, I was listening to them talk about their cars and these little things they enjoy, and the motors and how big they are, and I got thinking about those things, you know, my little four-cylinder diesel. It don't do much, beside their big, powerful engines, and they get to brag, well, mine's turbocharged. Well, mine is supercharged. Well, let me tell you something. I know a group of people that is supercharged. Yeah. She ain't turbocharged. She ain't naturally aspirated. She is supercharged from another dimension altogether. Amen. Hallelujah. You can keep your cars, brother. I'm not jealous as long as I'm there with them. Amen. Brothers, I'm, I, you, you know I'm being a little facetious when I say that. Moses, cha- uh, Moses chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Remember, he was the deliverer. Remember, he understood his position. His mommy had told him all of his life his position, that God was going to use him. He's raising him up to deliver God's children. Yeah. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren. And he looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And verse 12 says this. And he looked this way. And that way. To me, that sounds like a man that's not sure. It's not quite sure. Just look at the picture. Here's an Egyptian and he's beating on one of Moses' brethren. And Moses' heart is riled up. And he knows he's the deliverer. But the Bible says, and he looked this way. And he looked that way. Uh Uh-huh. Something was missing in Moses' life. Something was missing. Otherwise, he would have looked steadfastly at the promise. The Bible says he looked this way, and he looked that way. He wasn't for sure. He knew what he was taught. He believed what he was taught. But something was missing in his heart. Read the scripture. How many believers? How many believers are caught observing the lying vanities? They look this way. We know what's. We know we've been taught. We've been told, Brother Dwayne. I actually have given my heart to the Lord. I want to serve God. But they look this way at the lying vanities of the world, and they look that way. More lying vanities over there, calling their name, and when there's a word. When there's a word, if we would just set our eyes steadfastly. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian. You know, Moses wasn't really in the spirit, was he? He was was upset, I would say, in a natural man that he was uh, frustrated that they were doing this to his people. But the Bible said he actually looked to see who was watching. If anybody was, anybody was watching. And he kills the man. And he hid him in the sand. When he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said unto him, and he, and, and he said to him, uh, that did the wrong. Wherefore, smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killed the Egyptian? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, because he looked this way, and he looked that way. You know, none of the believers were watching, so it's I can get away with this. Uh Uh-oh. No, you can't. You won't, because there's an eye watching you. Just so happens that you're a son of God or a daughter of God, you won't get away with it. You just won't get away with it. Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared. Hmm. And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. And dwelt in the uh, in the land of Midian. Isn't this a strange thing? It's Moses, raised up in all the glory and the splendor of Egypt, on one hand. And raised up under the anointing of the word, on the other hand. He understood. You think his mommy wasn't a real mom? You think she didn't teach him? She taught him. He heard the Word of God. He read the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. But it was all just mental. It had just caught on as, as far as a man. He knew it. God is not looking for us to know. Listen, He's not looking for us to become intellectual giants in the Word. He's looking, us, he's looking to us to become faith giants. Amen. Faith giants. I better skip down here a long ways. Because we just get the picture of Moses was in the prime of his life when he looked this way and that way. And the Bible says God took him up on the backside of the desert and for 40 years he schooled him. And you know what I'm saying when I say that. I'll tell you what, young people, don't get upset at your parents when they school you because you'll never be done being schooled. It's the truth. As sons of God, God is always schooling us. But Moses got way back up on there, back in the wilderness, back there. And one day, when he's herding his sheep, all of a sudden, he catches a a, a, a strange view. There's a bush on fire. And yet it's not burning up. Well, that's a strange thing. So he, considered, he walked up to the bush to see what was going on, and a voice spoke from the sign. Moses, take off your shoes. The very thing that Moses had been lacking when he killed the first Egyptian, looking this way and that way, was the very thing that God was about to give him. Look at his situation. Eighty years old. If Moses would have considered his own body, he would have said, I'm way too old. Lord, I'm way too old. He even did. He said, Lord, I I can't speak. Lord, 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 I can't speak. Why don't you get somebody who can speak? If he would have observed his own, I want to say this, if he would have observed his own uh, uh, frailties, his own weaknesses... If he would have considered his own weaknesses, his own complexes, his own issues. He would have just said, I can't do this, Lord. But he didn't consider it. He looked at the promise. He heard the word. He grabbed his little stick and off he went. Listen. What are you looking at tonight? What are you looking at tonight? Christ set his eyes on Calvary. You don't need to set your eyes on Calvary, you need to set it on the word, which was Christ. Listen. Listen, church, that cross is it resembles something to us. It speaks to us, the cross that Christ hung on. But I want you to notice something. He's not hanging on that cross. That cross, those trees were just trees, is all they were until Christ was hung on them. You understand what I'm saying? They were just trees till Christ was hung on them. Listen, it's when they looked at the cross, when they looked to Christ who was on the cross. If they looked to the tree, the wood, it didn't mean a thing. When they looked to the life, the lamb that was hanging there, it meant everything. Hallelujah. Lying vanities. You know, God told Moses, I have sent you. That was a direct word. I have sent you. Moses could have got up in the morning and his back could have hurt and he could have been, you know, it might have took him half an hour to get going or an hour to get going and he might have have made a few steps out and been tired out, maybe halfway to, to Egypt, he said, oh, I can't do this. If he would have considered his flesh, he wouldn't have considered doing it. If he would have listened, I will say this, God bless his wife, we understand her. Listen, Moses was a man. We got a lot of issues in our lives. We got a lot of issues. What are you looking at tonight, Brother Dwayne? I can't. Don't you tell me you can't. Don't you tell me you can't. God said you can. You got a direct word that all things, all A double L, all things are possible. If you'll only, I'm never going to get this done. Let me hurry up and go. Let me let me go on. If Moses would have considered the mountains when they got down to the Red Sea that day, if he would have considered the army coming behind him, if he would have listened to the complaining of the people, he would have just said, I'm done. I quit. But he didn't observe lying vanities. He simply took the word of God and he spoke and went forward. Hallelujah. Brother Brown says this. He says, we look at our symptoms. Shame on us. Now when Jonah under the circumstance could look away from his symptoms and he said he refused to look at them. He said they're lying vanities. I'll look towards your holy temple. Oh God give us men and women with rugged faith. Rugged faith. Time tested. Something that's just going to hold on. It's so steadfast it's not letting go. He says who will give us men and women who will not look to symptoms or anything. The devil hands you, hand it back to him. Say, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in his all sufficient power. He didn't just say, think these thoughts, he said, Say, I believe. Say, I believe. It's literally, it's our it's our our theme song, it's the angel's theme song of the age. Only believe. All things are possible. What was it? It was the opening of the word that brought light to the reality that Jesus Christ is alive today, walking in flesh. He said, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in his all-sufficient power. I believe that his presence is here now to set me free from any bondage that Satan can put on me. He says, I look to where he sits at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for me. I don't care how backslidden you are tonight. I don't care how far you are from God tonight. This word is your promise. I believe it. It's time for you to get a hold of the promise of God and say, Lord, I believe you're sitting there making intercession upon my confession. Lord, I believe that you promised me that the blood was sufficient for me. I might not be what I ought to be, but God, you promised to make me what I ought to be. Oh, lay your life in his hands tonight. Don't consider the the, the vanity that's around you. Don't consider your own shortcomings. Don't you know in your weakness he is made strong. You say, oh, brother Dwayne, oh, brother, don't, oh, brother Dwayne me, don't boo-hoo me, don't, don't you snuffle and, 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 and snot and bawl. I just want you to simply take the word of God and speak it. Hallelujah. My goodness, I better get on. Lord, help me. Uh, You know what, I'm just going to skip a whole bunch of this tonight. Let's just turn over to the book of Jonah. It's just time. Where's the musicians? Come up and take the the music. There's one thing about the presence of God. We lose all all sight of time and everything else. Vanities. Vanities. It was Gideon. You go over and turn over to the book of Jonah, chapter 2. We're going to read this together tonight. But it was Gideon that day. Don't you see God's point of view? you see what God is looking at? Why would God call Gideon a mighty man of valor? When Gideon called himself a coward. When Gideon's own life proved he was a coward. When Gideon himself didn't believe hardly what the... Lord, if, if, if it's really so, just do this one more thing for me, Lord. Lord, if it's really so, just do this one more thing. You know, God was so patient with him. But the word had already been spoken. Thou art a mighty man of valor. God's not taking it back. He didn't change his mind about Gideon. Listen, sometimes we would say, "God, forgive me. I frustrate the grace of God." Sometimes it seems like, "Lord, help us not to consider the vanities that are in front of us, the lies of the devil." the things that we see with our eyes and the, and, and the things He brings to our memories and the, and the thoughts He puts in our minds and the lusts of our flesh and the desires that we consider and we observe. And in it we forsake our own mercies. Set your faces steadfast tonight, church. Listen, young people, set your faces steadfast on the Word of God. It is joy unspeakable. He is full of glory. Jonah chapter two. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord the, unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, starting at verse one, and said, "I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and He heard me. Jonah was a son of God. I believe I'm preaching to the children of God tonight. I cried by reason of mine affliction. You know, Jonah had caused his own problems. Fact. Jonah had caused, he'd, had already, he'd already had a word from God to go. He just didn't want to do it. There's just, I just want to take a vacation first. I just want to do this first, then I'll give my heart completely. I just want, I, if I can just get to this point, then I'll give my heart to God. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, we read Hosea this morning. God has a way of hedging you up. Hedging you up. He happened to put a hedge up Jonah's way that night. Jonah was heading for Tarshish. God told him, you're going to Nineveh. Listen, if God ever tells you you're going, you're going. You can kick, you can scream. I'm so thankful to God that, that there's a bloodline held onto my, onto my heart. In all of my humanity's kicking and screaming, in all my own frustrating God, his love has never changed. His love has never changed. And here's Jonah. And, and, And I'll say this Jonah's own sins caught up with him. We know the real reason behind it because God has told us. But Jonah's own life has caught up with him. Here he is in this raging storm on a ship. And you know, Jonah wasn't really concerned. The Bible said he was in the belly of the ship sleeping. And they came and woke him. God, may somebody wake us this evening. If you're in the ship tonight, if you're, I'll say this, if you're in the old ship of Zion and you're sleeping tonight, oh, may your brother, may your sister, may the Spirit of God in them wake you. Amen. Listen, Jonah was God's child. Yeah, yeah. God had a purpose for his life. Yeah, yeah. And Jonah needed somebody to come down into the bottom of the boat and say, hey, you sluggard, what are you doing sleeping? Sleeping. Don't you know there's a there's a there's a war going on? Don't you know we're in a battle, right? We're fighting for our lives. Don't you know the boat is going down? Come on up and help us. Jonah got up and seen what was happening, and immediately he understood the reason. He knew the problem. He said, just a minute, fellas. Just a minute, I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit loves us that way. Sometimes he needs to come down and wake us, needs to shake us. We get so to the place where Lady of C has got us so slumbering in all the good things of life. Holy Spirit needs to come down and shake us. You sluggard, wake up. There's a battle to fight, there's souls to win. There's a race to run. I cried by the reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. There's Jonah. Throw me overboard, guys, I'm the problem. Listen, they were men. They, did, they didn't want to do that. They had a heart. said, "I'm the problem. Listen, you've emptied the ship of everything else. The storm is still raging. Throw me over. And when they did, we know the story. But I want us to consider this because here's Jonah laying at the bottom of the ocean, the sea, whatever it was, in the belly of a big fish. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by the reason of mine affliction. I don't know where you're at, what part of the fish's belly you're in tonight, but cry out to God by reason of your affliction. And out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the sea, and the floods come past me about, and all thy billows and thy ways, they passed over me, and I said, I'm cast out of that. Look at his hopeless situation. I don't know if you're a sinner here tonight, but I want you to notice Jonah's situation. I want you to hear his heart crying out. I said, I'm cast out of thy sight. In other words, God has forsaken me. God won't have me anymore. He said, I cast out of thy sight. And then the revelation of the word struck home. And he remembered the promise. He was considering the vanity that was about him. Maybe he was gasping for air. (gasps) (gasps) I I, I don't know. You know, maybe, I don't know what a fish looks like inside, but if the if he's half, yeah, how many's ever been in the water? And you know you're swimming away, you and your buddies, and and one of them just takes his whole hand and he goes, Pff. you know, the big guy and the the bully in the in the lake and pushes you down and holds you there till you bubble a little bit. Then he pulls you back up and you come up and you go. Pff. I imagine maybe Jonah was bouncing off the bottom. And all the while he's crying, oh God, oh God, be merciful, oh God, be merciful, Lord, forgive me. I say, Brother Dwayne, you're kind of being silly. Yeah, I wonder really. You know, one day maybe God will just allow us to enter into that picture in a real way. You're fighting for your life. Maybe you're here tonight and spiritually you're fighting for your life. Where's my joy gone? Oh God, where is your presence? You seem so far away from me. Come on, church. We've all been in those places. We've all been in those places. But I don't want you to consider the vanity. I don't, I don't care what your situation is tonight. We have a God who is merciful. His mercies are new every day. And this day ain't over yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. says, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards thy holy temple hallelujah i will look again towards thy holy word i will look again toward the promise lord that you've made me the waters come past me about even to the soul i'm telling you it was serious i hope that god gets us to those places you know what we can talk to god and if it's insincere god understands if we're just chattering god knows it but you one time get serious with the lord You one time get sincere, and I'll tell you what, God's ears are open. He knows exactly where you're at. He says, the waters come past me about even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars were even about me forever. Don't tell me Jonah didn't think this was the end. Don't tell me he didn't think this was it. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. And when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came unto, isn't this something? Why is it when we're in a serious need, that's when we pray? Maybe I should say this, when things are serious, we pray differently. We may pray every day, but when things become serious... You just let Satan get in your home one time. You just watch a family that's about to get blown apart. You watch mommy and daddy both. They get serious with God. I've seen it. I've been a witness to it. They get serious with God. God, this isn't what we had planned for our life. This wasn't what we desired. We recognize the enemy has come in. We don't know what to do. But they get serious. They even get to the place where they're willing to say, Oh, God. Lord, whatever, if there's something wrong in my life, if I'm causing this problem, Lord, whatever it is, change me. They even stop pointing fingers. They even start looking at themselves in a real way. It's amazing what God has to do in our lives to get our attention, isn't it? The love of God, how rich and far. My prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities... Forsake their own mercies. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Might have been, must have been quite a little picture. Here's Jonah crying out before God and, and really believing that this is going to be the end, but holding on to one little promise. Lord, you said, Lord, you said, Lord, you said, Lord, you said if we would look towards your holy temple when we pray, Lord, you said, listen, God loves to be reminded of what he said. He loves for you to bring him back to his own word. He loves for you to hold him accountable. He is not afraid to be held accountable to his word. Lord, you said, and he said, but I will sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. Listen, Jonah's prayer turned. Listen, let me tell you this. Sometimes we were just talking. Brother Ed, we were just talking about this in the service before. Sometimes you get to prayer and, and you get to praying a certain way, and, and but sometimes when you really hold on and hold on, it takes a long time, and you finally you break through, and then it's no more you praying anymore. It's the Spirit of God begins to give utterance through you. He begins to use your very vessel to pray, to intercede for brothers and sisters. You maybe didn't think of them for 10 years, and all of a sudden there they are, and there's a need, and it's real, and the Spirit of God is interceding on their behalf. Listen, Jonah got to that place. He said, but I will sacrifice unto thee thee with a voice of thanksgiving. He began to lift God up. Oh, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, I'm unworthy, but you're worthy, Lord. Oh, God, you're so great and you're so mighty. And, Lord, there's none like you. And truly, you are God of all creation. Lord, forgive me of my sins, Lord. Lord, make me what you want me to be. And out steps Jonah. God made him what he wanted him to be. He got serious with God. Lord, don't put us on the deathbed before we get serious. Lord, don't have to force us to to offer up the voice and praise of thanksgiving. Sis, you better find something real soon. Start praying or playing. They're praying, I'm going to stop. You start playing, we're going to stop. I'm surely, I wouldn't say omnipotence, but too surely when they agree on any one thing, it must happen. If Jonah could have faith under those circumstances, listen to this. In the prayer of Solomon, who finally died a backslider. If Jonah could have faith under those circumstances, in the prayer of Solomon, this isn't Brother Dwayne's words, who finally died a backslider, how much more? ought we to have faith tonight in the true Son of David who's sitting at the right hand of God with his own bloody garments, making intercession. I like how he says on our confession, but I want to just say on my confession. Listen, the Word of God is powerful, church. Brother Brown says this, he says, Jesus, the high priest, can't do a thing for you until you first confess it. And act on your confession. Now that is a challenge. Because there's a lot of lying vanities that will keep us from acting or voicing our confession. No matter how bad you hurt, praise God for healing you. No matter how much you ache, thank God for healing you. No matter how far backslidden your family is, thank God for bringing them in. Listen, church, he's the high priest of your confession. Observe not your lying vanities or you'll forsake your own mercies. Listen, God wants to heal us. It's his desire to heal us. It's the very heart of God to heal you if you're sick. But he wants you to take him at his word and start confessing it. Thank you, Father, for healing. Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. Some of us need the Holy Ghost. We've sat in church a long time and we need the Holy Ghost in our lives. Until you start thanking God for giving you the Holy Ghost, God's got nothing to act on. And listen, Brother Brown says, you can boo-hoo, you can weep, you can cry, you can do whatever before God. And until you say, Lord, I thank you, and you hold him to his word, he does nothing. He says he's the high priest of our confession. The word professes. But profess and confess is the same word. High priest of our confession. He can't do nothing till you first accept it and confess that he has done it. Oh my, set your eyes steadfast. Keep it on the word of God. Make your lips speak his word. Remember, you have the power. We sing that little song, we've got the power in the name of Jesus, and we rejoice about the power in the name. Then use the power to speak the word of God. For truly, you have it. He says, oh, you're telling me. He's talking about somebody that's at the altar. He says, you might do that from time to time. He says, you're a young man until you're an old, gray-haired man. You'll still be a sinner. But the simple way is to accept what Jesus said was the truth. And upon the basis of his shed blood and the bidding spirit, calling you to come, say, I truly believe it and accept it right now as my personal Savior. And then he goes on to say that he can't do nothing for you until you confess it. Listen, This the simple way to do it is to simply say, Lord, I believe you. Lord, I'll make that. That's my own. I'm not going to consider my ways. I'm not going to consider my past. I'm not going to consider my family. I'm not going to consider my pride. I'm not going to consider what it might might look like to everybody in this world. I'm simply going to take you at your word. Make me the son of God that you want me to be. Hallelujah. You love him? He's so good. Set your eyes steadfast, church. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of voices out there right now, and, and, and you're hearing so much of them on the news. COVID, 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 COVID. Black lives matter, and they do matter, but so do white lives and yellow lives and red lives and every other kind of life. Any life that's on earth matters. It's Satan trying to work everything up. and try, it's, it's a spirit of lawlessness that's come upon the land. Don't get caught up in the news. Get caught up in the word. Get caught up in the word. Hallelujah oh my goodness I got to stop and I'm going to I'm going to stop right now I'm going to close the book it just never ends does it brothers he's so good but listen until we start to confess what he's done for us this is as far as you're going to go wherever you're at tonight until you start confessing something greater this is as far as you'll go Brother Ed, if God tarries another 20 years, I don't want to find myself right here. I don't want to be confessing the same things about myself that I am tonight. I want to confess that He has more for me, that I can be a better son, that I can be a greater son of God. Not greater is in a person, but greater is in the more of the Spirit of God consuming my life. I can be more valuable to the kingdom of God. If I'll just die to myself, I can be something. I can be a stepping stone for somebody a long life's way. God help us. Don't consider lying vanities. Can I drop in one more testimony before we leave? I'm, I'm sorry, but it just... Brother Ed, come on up here. I'm just having the hardest time tonight. You're just easy to preach to, and I thank God for it. There's a lot of you that know this. Matters of fact, I think she's related to some of you here. I just don't know how to place it all. How many know Sister Tamara Whiff? She used to be Tamara Ferrer. Brother Tyler, put your hands up. Some of you all know them. I don't know if you've read her testimony, if she sent her testimony out recently or not. But I just want to, speaking on considering lying vanities. Here about three weeks ago, we were gathered together with a group of the young families, and we're sitting around talking about the good things of the Lord, and Tamara pipes up, and she says, Brother Dwayne, she says, I just want... I just want to give a little testimony right now. She said, for the last two years, she said, I've had a growth on my knee and it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. She said, till it would protrude from underneath my dress, she says, it was so painful. She said, we'd been to the doctor and they'd done some checkups and stuff and now this COVID thing hit and, and you know all the problems with the medical system right now. And, so the doctor said, Tamara, we're really unsure of what this is. And we're just going to operate on it. And she said, being honest, she says, I, I was concerned. She says, I, I couldn't hardly let my dress touch my knee. She said, that night, they talked to the doctor, and the doctor had made an appointment for her. And she said, that night, they were sitting together as a family. She said, Brother Dwayne," she said, I'd, I'd be working around the yard and the pain would hit my knee, and I would just say, Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Amen. She said, and it would come and it would catch me again. She'd go, Thank you, Lord, for healing me. And for two years she's been thanking the Lord for healing her. And that day the doctor called, they made an appointment, and that night they got together as a family and, and they're having family devotions and they were praying. They finished their devotions and just when they were done, her husband, Brother Paul, said, You know what? We didn't pray for mom's knee. Why don't we pray for mommy's knee tonight? And as a family, they joined their hearts together. She said, Brother Dwayne, she said. Next day she said, I was I was out working in the yard. And she said, I she said, Of course, my dress, it was hurting, and she said, "In a." It was hot, she said, I I came in and she said to get a drink and she said, I just thought I'd sit down for a while and just get a drink of water and said, so I sat down, sat down on the side of my deck, she said, and I was sitting there and I was drinking my water and she said, and I reached over to touch my knee, I realized it didn't hurt, she said, I touched my knee and then she said, I touched the other one quickly. She said, I wasn't sure. She said, I thought maybe I got the wrong leg. The bump was gone. Uh huh. If you will observe the lying vanity, you'll forsake your own mercy. She called those things that were as though they were not. Exactly like the word says to do. Listen, brothers, we've got what it takes. We've got what it takes. She told me that testimony and a couple weeks later I was preaching on a Wednesday night and and at the end of the service I had this, I just felt compelled. She was sitting at the piano just like you're doing right now. I looked over at her and I said, Sister Tamara, I said, why don't we take this opportunity to give God glory for what He's the testimony he's given in your life? Why don't you tell the church? She reaches down and she pulls up this little piece of paper. She looks me in the eye and she wiggles the paper. I said, you knew I was going to ask. And she said, "Uh uh-huh. I didn't know I was going to ask. She tells, she gives the church the testimony of what I've just told you. After the service, she comes to me. I was out in the vestibule. There, I know we're not supposed to. We're supposed to social distance, right? I was out in the vestibule and we we're greeting the saints, and she's standing there. And finally, I'm, I get by myself. She goes, "Brother Dwayne, I need to talk to you." And she is just beaming. She, she, she's radiant. You know, there's something about the love of God on a person. It makes them beautiful. And it, it, it's just one of those looks that you, you can't, you know, if you just don't see, if you don't catch it right away, you don't understand what it means. But I knew she wanted to tell me something, and it was she was just bubbling. She's like, Brother Dwayne, she says, what I didn't say when I was sitting at the piano was, she said, I still had a bruise, and the bruise was tender. The bump was all gone, but the bruise was still tender. She said, she said I gave my testimony, she said, and I, and I moved and I reached down. And she said, there was no pain, nothing. There was nothing. She said, I went and checked, it's gone. Completely. 100%. Let me tell you something, he is Jesus Christ the same. This didn't happen 2,000 years ago. This didn't happen 50 years ago when the prophet of God was here. This happened in 2020. God's word remains truthful. Don't observe lying vanities, church. I don't care how much you hurt tonight. I don't care what your situation is tonight. Why don't we stand together? And why don't you, like Jonah... In your own way, why don't you look to the throne of God and whatever your weakness is, whatever your situation is, why don't you look to Him and consider not your problem. Consider not whatever is bothering you, but look unto the one that can fix the problem. Look to the one that made the promise for truly all things are possible. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you for your wonderful mercies in our lives. We want to thank you for the glory, Lord, that you continually unfold before us. Lord, we realize so many times we get caught, we get trapped, Lord Jesus. And we consider the circumstances of our lives, Father. We consider what's going on around us, Lord. The enemy comes in, oh God, and brings our past to haunt us. Oh God, and then when we get down to pray, it seems like you're so far away. But Father, tonight we're not looking to our circumstances. We're not hearing the lying vanities of the enemy's voice. But Father God, we're looking steadfastly at your word. At a promise that said, if you will pray, I will hear from heaven. I will answer if you will ask. If you'll make your petition known, I will grant you your request. Oh God, tonight we're here tonight and we want to give you thanks and praise. Lord, I pray that you would move upon your people tonight. Lord God, may their eyes be so steadfastly set on the Word. May nothing shake them. May they not look to the left ever again. May they not consider the right, Father. But may their eyes be held wholly on you, the one that can make our lives what you want us to be. Lord, we love you tonight. Father, we want to tell you how great you are, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Word, Lord, which is life to us. And we thank you for the blood, Lord, that's made it possible. Oh, God, bless your children, Father. Lord, strengthen them for the journey that lies ahead. Lord, may the faith of God rise to a greater level in our lives. Lord, may they climb the steps as it were Jacob's ladder from one rung to the other, from glory unto glory. Lord, may the word of God be their portion, not just tonight, but tomorrow morning when they wake up. Lord, tomorrow night when they put their heads on their pillows. All in all, Lord, we thank you for your word. We're looking for you to bring it to pass in our lives. We commit ourselves to you tonight, Lord. We love you tonight. We give you our thanks again. You're so worthy in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you just let him bathe? you with His presence this evening. Just quietly and softly while the music is playing. Why don't you just lift your hands. Just softly tell them how much you love them. Father, we're grateful for this love that you've shown unto us. God, that we can be called the children of God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would put together every broken heart, every broken home. Lord, all the ones that need work, Lord, I pray you'd give them work, Father. Lord, God, all in all, we have one great need. That's just more of you. Lord, we love you tonight. Hallelujah. Oh. Believe, I know all things are possible. If I only believe, Lord, I believe. Only believe, only believe I know. But now can you confess it? I know Brother Ed believes. Sister Sandy, I know you believe. That little stomach issue, that is a lying vanity. It is nothing more than that. You know, we have the rights by the children of God. Brother Ed, put your hand on her shoulder. You know, the Bible said this, that if they lay hands on the sick. didn't even say if we prayed for them, Brother Ed. simply said if we laid hands on her. Sister Sandy, I want you to thank God for healing you right now. This is how real our God is. Why don't you put your hands on... Oh, you're not supposed to do that. God help us. Listen. Why don't you just pray for the person that's beside you. Just take a moment and just lift them before God. I know I can't tell you what to do. Your family's... If your family join your hearts together join your hands together if you're not join your hearts together we need him we need a revelation of the reality of the word of this age we need to know that this present God is greater than this present evil age he's here to do the exceedingly abundant for us tonight if we'll just ask him and we'll just thank him for it oh God Lord Jesus, I look across the front row and I see these young men standing here. Lord, fighting for the kingdom of God. Lord, battling with the enemy day after day. Lord, they come home many times weary and tired, worn, Father. And you've always been there to encourage them and strengthen them. And oh God, I pray, Lord, that you take each one of these young men, that you would use them for the kingdom of God god make their lives a blessing lord these musicians that are around this platform tonight make their lives a blessing oh god lord may the love of god shine through in their music lord and in their talk in their walk oh god may they all together find you the lovely one father tonight lord we're setting a claim lord you know the needs of the people lord many of them Lord, families have got their arms wrapped around each other, Lord, because the law can allow it, but the rest of us have got our hearts wrapped up in one place. Lord, you've spoken. It's thus saith the Lord. You've told us we can claim our, our God-given rights. I'll tell you something, the human rights of Laodicea are nothing compared to the God-given rights of a believer. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we're making our claim again. Lord, we're holding you to your word, Father. You know the needs that are here. And Father, Lord, may the reports come back that you're the same Jesus as you were 2,000 years ago. You're the same God that walked 50 years ago in a prophet. You're the same God doing the same things in the year 2020. Lord, our vision is not abated. Lord, it's, our vision is not dimmed, oh God. But may it be perfectly in line with the Word of God. Father, heal the sick. Lord, bind up the broken heart of tonight. Lord, restore the joy of those that need it, Father. Oh, God, may we not consider the things that have robbed us of these things. But, Lord, the promise that you said you would restore it to us. May thy will be done. God, thy kingdom come, we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Brother Ed, come. It gets late, and I'm sorry again. This great God, come Brother Ed, come. If you don't come, I can't go. I know, I know, I can't do that. The longer I live here, the more I despise this world. But the more time I spend in His presence, the more time I enjoy it. Saints of God, we love you. Press on. Press on. Behold the love of God. It's the reason we're here tonight. His word is yea and amen. Brother, you hold on to that promise.